Merry Christmas, brothers and sisters. It's uh, currently right now very blustery and about 51 degrees out, so it doesn't feel like Christmas, but the way that the weather's looking, I'm sure by the time that I post this and you guys are listening to it, there should be snow on the ground and we should have a very merry and very white Christmas, so... There is that to look forward to, despite how it's feeling at this present second. Usually I'll read the verse and then offer up a prayer, but I'm going to do the prayer first on this one, and then I'm going to read the verse and then go right into the message. Lord, we thank you for this time that you've set apart for us to come into your word, learn about your son, Jesus Christ, See what has happened with him on his first Christmas. Lord, I ask that you clear our minds, that you clear our hearts, so this message from history can get down deep inside of us, that the point is effectively communicated, and that we can then use this message to enjoy our Christmas that much more knowing that your son sits upon the throne. We thank you that you sent your son. We thank you for that sacrifice. We thank you for his blood, for without it, we would all be hopeless. But with it, we can be clothed in that blood in the righteousness of Christ. And it is that blood and through his name that I pray. Amen. <clears throat> Our verses today are out of Matthew chapter 2, verses 16 to 18. Then when Herod saw that he had been tricked by the Magi, he became very enraged and sent and slew all the male children who were in Bethlehem and all its vicinity, from two years old and under, according to the time which he had determined from the Magi. Then what had been spoken through Jeremiah the prophet was fulfilled. A voice was heard in Ramah, weeping in great mourning, Rachel weeping for her children, and she refused to be comforted because they were no more. Whoa, 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 whoa. Stop, 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 stop. I did not come here to listen to something on Christmas about babies being slaughtered. I'm here to celebrate the birth of Jesus Christ. You know, the baby in the manger, baby Jesus, Joseph, Mary, the wise man, the Christmas star, gold, frankincense, myrrh. Ever hear of that? Huh? How about all of that? How's about a sermon to warm my heart at Christmas? Warm it like, like warm eggnog and Christmas trees with decorations and glitter. Family, friends, peace on earth, goodwill toward men. Ah, yes, peace on earth and goodwill towards men. A baby sleeping in a manger, his wise men bring gifts from afar to worship the newborn king. All very comforting images from history. They make me smile, and I'm comforted by these as well. What I want to do, though, is show you what was actually happening that first Christmas. But beware, 
It will not be a picture of Santa, elves wrapping presents for all the good little boys and girls, a sleigh full of gifts pulled by flying reindeer, but rather the events that were happening at that time, the fallout from it in the then newborn king's kingdom. From the date of his conception, the cross on Calvary's hill loomed in the future of the Christ child. This child would grow into the perfect sinless sacrifice. He would die upon the cross as the ultimate sacrifice for sin. Three days later, the world would gaze upon an empty tomb where once the body of the Messiah was laid. Jesus would appear to many over the next 40 days, resurrected and whole, finally ascending into heaven. Yes, this baby, like all babies who are born, grew and became an adult with a reason for his life. From the moment he was born, Jesus was in jeopardy. As we read in Matthew, the Magi came looking for the one born king of the Jews. This wasn't a couple of wise men out for a walk with a gift or two to give a baby. Many songs say it was three wise men bringing gifts from afar. In scripture, nowhere is a number given. It is traditionally thought to have been three due to the three gifts brought, frankincense, gold, and myrrh. In all actuality, these magi, also known as wise men, were priests and experts in mysteries from Persia and Babylon. At the time of Jesus' birth, the term magi referred to a wide range of people who were involved in astrology, the interpretation of dreams, studying sacred writings, magic, and the pursuing of wisdom. These men would have been very familiar with the Old Testament prophecy due to their interaction with the Jews in Babylon. The Jews felt that Numbers 24:17, a star shall come out of Jacob and a scepter shall rise out of Israel, was pointing to the coming Messiah. These magi did not travel alone. Most likely, they would have had attendants and guards with them, provisions for the journey, and possibly pack animals to haul the supplies. So as you can see, this wasn't just three guys slipping into a young boy's birthday party. This was a parade of man and beast marching on a mission toward Jerusalem. Their trip to worship the newborn king likely was over 800 miles one way. If walked in an average of 20 miles per day, it would have taken them 40 days to arrive at the manger, at least. You see, it was these magi coming to Jerusalem that announced the birth of the king to Herod, asking where is he who has been born king of the Jews? I'm sure this came as quite a shock to Herod, who was appointed king of the Jews under the authority of Rome, and the authority of Rome didn't say anything about there being a new king of the Jews. Herod, who was a master builder and a very firm ruler, was at times very ruthless. During his more ruthless times, Herod murdered his own wife, several of his sons, and some of his other relatives. When he wasn't being a cold-blooded killer and allowing his talents to come out, Herod used his building skills to rebuild the temple at Jerusalem. He built theaters, fortresses, cities, and palaces. He also financed structures including pagan temples throughout the Roman Empire. So you can see why Herod was greatly troubled that a king had been born to take his place. Note here also that not only Herod, but all Jerusalem was troubled by this news. 
You see, Jesus had threatened Herod's throne as well as the livelihood of the corrupt religious and political leadership of Jerusalem. They all were living lives that they enjoyed immensely when this massive parade of humanity arrives and tells them that their lives are going to change. There's a new king in town. Life was going to change for the wicked unless they snuffed out the flame of this new king. So, doing as many corrupt persons would do, Herod summoned the Magi and questioned them as to where this child is located. Herod instructed the Magi that once they found the Christ child to come back and tell him where he could find the child so he too could go and worship him. Herod had no intention of ever worshiping Jesus Christ. He had every intention of preserving his kingdom and keeping his evil deeds in the dark. Worship the child? Not a chance. Lying and conniving to preserve what he had built his kingdom into? You bet. Being warned of this in a dream, the Magi took a different route home. Herod sat upon his throne and waited for the Magi to return with the exact location of the child so he could have the baby killed and end all threats to his kingdom and to his lifestyle. When Herod realized he'd been tricked by the Magi, he was furious. Mad to the point, he sent his men into his kingdom to kill all the male children two years old and under. This was the age he figured, by his talk with the Magi, that this new king must be. Joseph, having been warned of this in a dream, that Herod was going to try to kill Jesus, did as God commanded him and fled to Egypt out of harm's way. This fulfilled one of the prophecies of the prophet Jeremiah. A voice was heard in Ramah weeping in great mourning, Rachel weeping for her children, and she refused to be comforted because they were no more. So this concludes the first attempt of many to end the spread of Christianity. Several more attempts were made to end Christianity throughout the Gospels, attempts to end Jesus' life and ministry before he got to the cross. Even Satan himself got personally involved in this task, trying to get Jesus to throw himself from the pinnacle of the temple in Luke 4.9. If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down from here, Satan told Jesus. The ultimate victory against God and Jesus Christ was thought to be had as Jesus Christ hung from the cross and said, It is finished. Finally, the world and the forces of evil were rid of Jesus Christ. A three and a half decade long battle was over. Jesus was dead and buried. His disciples, his closest allies, fled into hiding. It is finished, they would also say. In order to stop this masquerade from continuing, the Romans placed soldiers at the entrance to the tomb. No one will steal his body and allow this farce to continue. We will be sure of that. The Gospels tell us that three days later the stone was rolled away and the tomb was viewed empty. A story was contrived to explain it all away. Oh no, he is not risen. It was his disciples. They are behind this. Three days later, the truth was revealed in the resurrected Savior, Jesus Christ. Forty days later, Jesus would ascend to heaven. Then the Holy Spirit would come. Christianity would spread the world over. People were being awakened spiritually. 
What was just a small issue when Jesus was alive on this earth had now become a major issue. Christianity was taking the world by storm. There was no choice, decided those who opposed it. These followers of Christ, these Christians, must follow their leader to the grave. And so the persecution against the church began. First, Stephen was stoned. That should stop this madness. But it did not. In fact, when one was killed, two, three, four more popped up. Christianity grew at an alarming rate. Twofold, threefold, the growth was alarming to those who stood against it. The only thing they could think to do was kill off all the Christians until this wave of Christianity had subsided. Little did they know this persecution against the church wouldn't need to last just years, but centuries, and it is still going on to this day. As a matter of fact, in the beginning all the disciples of Christ were martyred for their belief in Jesus except John. Although it wasn't due to a lack of trying with John, they most certainly made the attempts to martyr him as well. Countless Christians down through the sands of time were lost to martyrdom. And here is the point of this message. Did all of these people die because of a newborn baby swaddled in a manger? One who was born king or the one on the throne? The world found they couldn't kill off all the Christians as they were multiplying too fast, so they began to change the message. <clears throat> no longer would we be focused on Jesus Christ, King of the Jews, risen Savior. The world would turn the focus over to a jolly, overweight man in a red suit with a shop full of elves making toys for all the boys and girls, if they were good, that is, turning the world away from Jesus Christ in a more cunning and diabolical way. Along would come decorated trees, lights, and snow added into the mix to make this time of year more festive, and it worked. People's attention was diverted away from the Savior and on to selves, People began to add fuel to their already sin-riddled lives. Love God seemed to remain somewhat intact, but the love thy neighbor as thyself is blown from the water like it was hit with an artillery round from a modern-day warship. Everything was going good until Uncle Butch had to start it again this year. I know this would be a perfect gift for my sister, but she doesn't ever spend that kind of money on me. I still have a few gifts to buy because, um, well, uh, uh, I actually found some really good deals on, on things for for uh, me. And so on and so forth. I propose this year we leave the world and their sin-riddled festivities behind. Let's celebrate the birth of Jesus Christ in a new way by worshiping the Jesus of the here and now. Leave the happy holidays and season's greetings to those outside of Christ. Wish one another a Merry Christmas, a Merry Christ Mass. In a world that is straying away from Christ, a greeting of Merry Christmas makes you more of an outlaw than Jesse James, John Dillinger, and Al Capone combined. Let Uncle Butch be Uncle Butch. Don't let him wreck the birthday of the Savior for you. And don't worry about how much another will spend on you. If you feel they would enjoy a gift, buy it for them. 
no matter what they would spend. If you see something you've been looking for at a great price, buy it. Just don't let your greed get the best of you. Enjoy the many great things the Savior's birthday gives to us all, God, family, and friends. This sermon and the idea behind it came to me almost a decade ago. The Christmas message with Christ Jesus lying in the manger makes many people feel warm and fuzzy inside. But to me, I see it as a world trying to portray Jesus as a weak, powerless infant, unable to feed, clothe, or protect himself, a weak vessel in a weakened state that could be destroyed at any second, when in reality, the exact opposite is true. In Revelation, when John saw Jesus in heaven, he fell at his feet like a dead man. What John had seen was this. One like the Son of Man, clothed in a robe, reaching to his feet, and girdled across his chest with a golden sash. His head and his hair were white like white wool, like snow, and his eyes were like a flame of fire. His feet were like burnished bronze when it has been made to glow in a furnace, and his voice was like the sound of many waters. In his right hand he held seven stars, and out of his mouth came a sharp two-edged sword, and his face was like the sun shining in its strength. Jesus said to John, Do not be afraid. I am the first and the last and the living one. And I was dead, and behold, I am alive forevermore, and I have the keys of death and of Hades. You see, no more would I expect you to remember me on my birthday as an infant than I would expect Jesus to be a perpetual newborn on his. Despite what the world would have you believe, Jesus Christ is alive today and he is a full-grown man ready to come again. That defenseless baby in the manger stands now at the ready, holding the keys to death, hell, and the grave, awaiting the Father's command to come again. And when this command comes, John wrote of how Jesus will then appear. And I saw heaven open to behold a white horse, and he that sat on it is called Faithful and True, and in righteousness he judges and wages war. His eyes are a flame of fire, and on his head are many diadems. And he has a name written on him which no one knows except himself. He is clothed with a robe dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. And the armies which are in heaven, clothed in fine linen, white and clean, were following him on white horses. From his mouth comes a sharp sword, so that with it he may strike down the nations, and he will rule them with a rod of iron. And he treads the winepress of the fierce wrath of God the Almighty. And on his robe and on his thigh he has a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And here we stand. The baby in the manger had an attempt made to take his life. Male children, two and under, were killed instead, becoming the first to die for the cause of Christ. Some say the first martyrs for Christ. Jesus survived and went to the cross as the ultimate sacrifice for sin. Ascending to heaven, he lives still. We know what he looks like today. We know what he will look like in the last days. This holiday season, remember the birth of the Lord. Remember the baby in the manger. Remember the entire nativity scene. 
But also remember that on that day, a new king was born. This king brought with him the payment for sin coursing through his veins. He laid that payment down in full on a wooden cross for those that believe on a hill called Calvary and now stands at the ready to usher in the new Jerusalem an ushering that could begin at any moment. The baby born king is now on his throne. Kneel before the king of all kings. Cry out in repentance to the Lord of all lords. For a child will be born to us, a son will be given to us, and the government will rest on his shoulders, and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. There will be no end to the increase of his government or peace on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and righteousness from then on and forevermore. For on that day in the city of David, there was born for us a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Amen. Lord, I thank you for this message. I thank you for the opportunity to present this message to your people, Lord. I thank you for all that you do in our lives. I ask that you be with all of us this holiday season. There are um, many of us who are missing a loved one. There will be empty chairs at our tables, Lord. We ask that you fill that void in our hearts with fond memories and with the peace that was brought with the birth of that child and the peace that is brought with the King of Kings and Lord of Lords, Jesus Christ. Let Christ's peace reign in our hearts. Let Christ's peace reign in our homes. Let Christ's peace reign in our families and let it reign with our friends. Let that peace overflow our lives, Lord, this holiday season. And let us come out of this year and into 2021 ready to draw our own swords, ready to draw the Word of God and begin getting very, very, very much into the fight, Lord, for our things that have been taken away by the devil or that he's tried to take away. Family, friends, you, Lord. He's tried to take you just as he tried to take your son. Help us to walk closer to Christ. Help us to bring that peace that we found through Christ. Help us to bring that peace to this lost and dying world. Help us to not only be Christians, Father, but help us to be the light of Christ to this world. Help us to shine ever brighter. Help us to fearlessly proclaim the blood of Christ that was shed upon that cross. 
help us proclaim Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior over all. And it is in the Lord and Savior's name, Christ Jesus, and through that blood that he shed on the cross that we pray. Amen. Well, everybody, I hope you have a very, very Merry Christmas. I hope that the new year finds you well and finds you buried up to your ears in the Word of God, that you're reading, studying, and that you're really soaking it up, that the Holy Spirit has come to your homes and is directing you through the passages of Scripture and showing you what exactly it is that that God would have you to see in His Holy Word. I miss seeing all your faces at the cross. I miss our times of fellowship. But, as they say, I think that fondness of heart comes through the absence of people. So it just gives us that longing to look evermore toward the springtime when the snows melted and the coldness subsides and we can gather together again Lord with us at that cross and worship our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ Merry Christmas everyone <laughs>